Good morning, church. How are you today? It's good to be with you uh, today. You know, the other uh, the other day, Jason and I were talking about, hey, we're, we gotta we gotta come up with a, a summer sermon series. What would be a good summer series? Like maybe a water series, like like the Red Sea and baptism and the River of Life. We call it like like fun in the sun, right? No, uh, we decided to do a series about how jacked up we all are. Cool. Um, so. So this sermon series is called I Am Not Okay. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, here's why. Um, because if we're really honest, we're not okay. There are, there are things going on in your life. Now, some of you might be like, no, I'm, I'm genuinely okay. And I'm so glad. That's good. This, this sermon series is for the rest of us. And you can love us better if you hear it, okay? Um, I have had the privilege of pastoring for uh, 14, 15 years now, and it has become clear to me over this time that everyone, everyone is struggling more than they're saying they're struggling. Everyone's hurting more than they're admitting they're hurting. Everybody's enduring uh, deeper trials than they are letting on, and so we're going to admit together this July that we're not okay. Not everything's perfect and peachy in our lives. Um, through this series, we are hoping uh, to talk about some things that, that, uh, that we're all going through, that we've all been through, um, because some of us are not okay. Here's, here, here are my goals for this sermon series. Uh, first one is I want you to feel the spiritual permission to say... I'm not okay. I think sometimes we come to church and we have this feeling like I've got to be like okay and happy and I've got to be on and good. And, and uh, you know, when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I've got to be like so blessed. Like, you know, and, and that's not how we're actually feeling. It might be true. We're not we're like feeling that. Uh, and so when you have permission uh, to say how you're really doing and not feel like it makes you a bad Christian, okay? That's the first thing. Second thing is I want to direct you into the hope of the gospel in the places where you need it most, okay? We're going to talk about these five uh, common areas, uh, common responses to living in the brokenness of this world, five ways in which we are often not okay. That's anxiety, depression, doubt, anger, and addiction, okay? We need the hope and comfort of the gospel to meet us in those places where I am most afraid, that's where I need the peace of God, right? Where I am most sad, that's where I need the, the comfort of God. Where I am most skeptical, that's where I need the assurance of God. Where I am most angry, that is where I need like the, the peace of God. Where I am addicted, seeking out comfort in other places, that is where I need the satisfaction that can only come from God. So, so we're talking about these five areas, and there's more. I know, like, you're like, hey, what about mine, right? Uh, and that's fine. I mean, there, I didn't have, you know, it would be a long sermon series. It would be like all the ways we're not okay, okay? This is five. Um, but I think that, let's try something. I did this in the first service. It worked out okay. We're going to try something. If one or more of these uh, or something that you've struggled with personally, will you raise your hand? Okay, can you please look around? Hang on, raise your hand again. Now look around, look around. I want you to notice you're not alone, okay? You are not alone in dealing with the brokenness of this world in painful ways. You're not alone in your anxiety. You're not alone in your doubts. You're not alone in your anger. You're not alone in your addiction. You are not alone. And we need the hope of the gospel to invade these places of pain and brokenness in our hearts. 
So that's the second thing. I want, I want the gospel to, to invade these areas of pain. And the third is that my hope is that it would, it would form us as a community of believers to be honest people. That we would be a, an honest church. That we could say, I believe, help my unbelief, right? I believe, and I'm scared. I believe, and I doubt, right? I believe, and I'm so sad that I can't move, right? There are these realities. I want, to, I want, to, I want you to understand that, that we are allowed to be honest here, um, that, that what we experience um, in this world uh, is heavy and hard, and the gospel meets us right there in it. So, um, I know it's not a fun summer series, um, but I think, it, I think it's important that we do this. Um, and so I'm praying that it would be fruitful for our church family. Um, so would you pray with me? And we'll just lift this sermon series up to, to, to the Lord, ask him for help, and then we'll begin our, our talk on anxiety. Father, we come to you collectively. With all of our hands raised, we said we are not okay. There are ways in which our souls have been heavily burdened, hurt, straining under the, the weight of the brokenness of the world, the weight of our own sin, the, the tension of our own doubts. God, we feel it in our bones that we need help. And so, God, would you, would you be with us this month as we talk about these things? God, would you help us to navigate them with, uh, with hope and, and faith? Would you embolden us to be honest? Would you make us a community that's honest? And would you, in the broken places of our souls, invade us with good news? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All right. Psalm 118. I started with the last service with this. I'm going to do it again. Psalm 118. I was reading it this morning, and it just struck me as maybe a good thing to do. The psalmist writes, Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me. And set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look on, in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And in verse 14 of Psalm 118, he says, The Lord is my strength. In my song, he has become my salvation. Are any of you afraid? Yeah. Anxiety is in the air. Over the last 20 years or so, uh, measure, like, researchers have been measuring the, the anxiety levels of our country and watched it skyrocket. Our culture has become increasingly more anxious, afraid, worried that things aren't going to turn out the way we wanted them to. There are fears about the times we live in, fears about politics, fears about finances, fears about our relationships. We've seen a, a rise in social anxiety, fears of uh, virus, right? The, so many fears rising up. And that's to say nothing of the fears that we've always kept inside, the fears about not being good enough or not being helpful enough or not being productive enough or fears that, I, that I'm not special enough or I'm not thorough enough or I haven't uh, done enough to make me safe or I'm not, I'm not, I don't have enough freedom or flexibility. I feel trapped and that scares me or fears that I'm not strong enough. 
fears that I'm a burden on the people that I love. We worry. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't care what your personality is or your makeup. There is worry down in your soul. There is fear down there. Even if it's laying dormant, even if you've covered it up with a tough facade. It's one missed paycheck or harsh word or bad work review away and whoosh, flooded with anxiety. I'm not safe. I'm not okay. Fear floods into our souls. What is anxiety? There's one book I read. I've been working through uh, Ed Welch's Running Scared. It's a good book on anxiety if you're looking for one. He said, anxiety is a state of being unsure of God's benevolent sovereignty in the world. Another theologian says that anxiety is imagining the future without God in it. It's fear. Now, there's lots of different levels of fear, and we'll talk about that for a minute. I want to talk about what is anxiety, and that it has to do with fear, and fear is pretty normal. It's usually situational. Um, you feel fear often in this life. Uh, before you get on a roller coaster, if you're little, like you feel afraid. Any of you guys, any little ones in the room, like got on that roller coaster and you feel that like, ah, and Mandy, <laughs> and Mandy has, she's not little anymore, but she still gets scared of the roller coasters, and that's okay. Um, it's usually situational. We get scared for a second when we face a scary situation, and then it goes away. Anxiety is a little bit different than that. Anxiety is the feeling of fear uh, running constantly in your soul. Like, it's fun to feel a little bit afraid before the roller coaster, and then when it's over, you feel great, right? Some of you do. <laughs> but it's different and, and harder and heavier to feel that all the time. That you feel like the whole world is waiting in line for a roller coaster. It is, I am about to face a scary thing, and I feel that all the time. My soul feels anxious. It's a, a baseline feeling of unease. If you struggle with anxiety and you saw the topic today, you probably started to get anxious even before I spoke. Your, your soul started buzzing. Like you started to feel it in your, in, your, in your chest. I don't know how you carry anxiety, but probably in your body somewhere you felt tense. Sometimes it gets even further than that. There's, there's anxiety disorders that can happen where it's distinguished from normal anxiety in that, in that it's more intense, sometimes with panic attacks. Sometimes it, th this anxiety that, that persists for months instead of going away after a stressful situation has passed. Anxiety disorders often lead to phobias that can interfere with your life. Like, like being afraid of being in a room full of people. Like some of you, it took everything you have to be in this room today. Because being around people is anxiety-producing. That's you. I am so glad you are here. It took bravery for you to come. It took courage. There's social anxiety. There's a generalized anxiety disorder. There's obsessive-compulsive disorder, which is anxiety run amok in our souls. There's post-traumatic stress disorder. Having been through... Traumatic events producing anxiety triggered by similar events or things that remind you of those events. This is what anxiety is. This is what, what, what our experience of it is. It comes from living. Uh, so, so that's what it is. Where does it come from? There's several parts of this. First, it just comes from living in a fallen world. The world is broken and, um, and big and scary. Uh, you get some level of fear and anxiety because you have eyes and you live here, right? That there's just things that are worrisome. Nobody has to teach a kid to be scared. Like there's, there's something about being little in a big world that feels scary. And we grow that up and we dress it up and we make it seem more mature, but we live in a world and we know it is scary. 
Some people carry anxiety um, more profoundly just based on genetics. Some, some families uh, are genetically more predisposed to anxiety. I don't know. Have any of y'all come from nervous families? All right? Okay. A couple of honest people up in here. Um, that, that's true. Some people just carry more anxiety, and that's just a family trait. It's, a, it's, it's part of their broken genetics. Um, care, prone to carry more anxiety, feel it more acutely. Uh, also, anxiety comes from traumatic experiences, the things that we've been through in living in a broken world. Um, growing up in extreme poverty, uh, usually uh, can, can produce a more anxious existence as an adult because you're carrying the insecurity you grew up with and projecting it into your current situation, also growing up with abusive parents or overly critical parents or overly cautious uh, parents. These are some things that can contribute to a predisposition to anxiety. I bet some of you have those. Maybe some of you are those kinds of parents, maybe overly cautious. Don't touch that. Don't go there. You know, no, no, no. Careful, careful, careful. Can contribute to uh, anxiety. Some of you have had sudden losses or tragedies befall your life that shook your sense of what is safe or what is possible in the world. And this feeling of insecurity has grown out of this sudden loss or tragedy. Some of you have experienced abandonment, which produces a sense of anxiety and fear. Some of you just had accumulated, accumulated stress over time. Some of you have had work difficulties that have just accumulated over and over and over again, and you just started to feel anxious, more and more anxious. Some of you had babies and instantly became an anxious person because it's like, what do I do with this thing, right? Um, and it feels scary and heavy and big. This is where it comes from now. What is it for? What do we do with this? How do I I interpret the fact that that I am scared, that I feel powerless and small, and I feel stuck in in this feedback loop of fear? I want to I want to remind you, I want to encourage you, direct you that our anxieties, our fears are signposts to God in reckoning with our smallness. Here's the thing is like we get scared when we feel powerless. I don't get scared of uh of a thing that can't hurt me. I don't like to run in fear of a butterfly in the field, right? I, a, a butterfly's not going to hurt me. I don't feel scared of a butterfly. If you are scared of butterflies, I'm sorry. Um, but we are typically afraid, and rightly afraid, of things that are a threat to us. It, we feel small. We feel insufficient. We feel unsafe. And so we become afraid. And the psalm, Psalm 118, instructs us that our fear is meant to drive us into the arms of a strong one. That when we feel small, that, that God would have us go to him who is not small, right? Who is great and powerful and good. We reckon with our smallness, not by be, trying to become bigger because that won't work but by trusting God who is sovereign and good, powerful and kind. When we experience fear, we are being beckoned into the strong and everlasting arms of God. That's what I hope we learn to do as God's people. I want to talk to you about what God's word has to say about fear. I've kind of talked about what it is, how it happens, what it's for, that it's this signpost, but I want to now just spend some time 
helping, letting the scriptures shape our understanding of anxiety. The first thing that I want you to know is that God expects you to deal with fear. It is, a, it is an expectation. God knows that you will be afraid. How do I know this? Because the most repeated command in the Bible is, don't be afraid. God knows we will deal with fear. Psalm, one of the Psalms says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Not like if I get afraid, right? Like if that crazy thing, if I just happen to become afraid one day. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. The most repeated command in the Bible, do not be afraid. God expects us to deal with fear. When you deal with anxiety, um, God is not shocked. He's not, he's not like, what? You're anxious? I never saw that coming. God expects that we are fearful people. In fact, in Isaiah, he, he, uh, he speaks to his people Israel Isaiah 41, 8 through 10, he says, You, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant, I have chosen you, and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That God looks at his people and says, I know that you're going to be afraid. But you don't have to be. I'm holding you. Psalm 27. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There's a, a psalmist who's, who's sought the signpost, saw his fear, took it to the Lord, and found relief. God expects us to deal with with fear. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, Paul is writing, Paul, who's a, a pastor, church planter extraordinaire, wrote a bunch of the New Testament. And he said, I, pastoring stresses me out. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, uh, apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches, right? And Paul felt anxiety in doing the Lord's work. Can you believe it? It's not just for engineers and doctors, right? Even pastors and church planners get stressed out in what they do. God expects you to deal with fear, but God also warns us against fear. He warns that it is dangerous for us. Fearing the world, letting the cares of the world overtake us is dangerous for our souls jesus told a parable the parable of the sower and we're all very familiar with it i'm sure that there was a sower who scattered seed out into the field and some of the seed landed on on the path and was quickly snatched up some landed on the rocky soil and some landed among the thorns and jesus is interpreting the parable and he says what was sown among the thorns that that, that word of the kingdom the good news of the kingdom sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That when I am covered up in anxiety, when I am covered up in fear, it is going to choke the word, the good news of the kingdom out of my life. It's going to make it powerless. It's going to rob the, the good news of the kingdom of its power because I'm letting the, the cares of this world, or in this passage, the deceitfulness of riches too, choke out the power of the gospel in my life. God warns us against living lives characterized by anxiety. And he doesn't just warn us, he actually commands us, instructs us not to fear. So he expects us to deal with it. He warns us against it. And he instructs us not to be afraid. Matthew 6, 24, or 6, 34 says, Therefore, 
do not be anxious about tomorrow. You're like, oh man, I'm like already anxious about tomorrow, right? Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I could read you 30 other verses that sound just like that one, where God tells us, don't be afraid. And the, the, the other side of this, the, the, the other way of saying, don't be afraid, is God saying, trust me. It's not just saying, don't be afraid of that, but trust me. God instructs us not to fear. Now, some of us might be feeling like, okay, well, I mean, I've read that Bible verse a lot, and I'm still pretty scared, so sorry. Do any of you feel that? Where it's like, I, to giving an anxious person that Bible verse, they're like, okay, <laughs> sure. I'll not be anxious anymore. Good one. Thanks. That helped. Most people who struggle with anxiety, they hear these verses, they hear this truth, and they're like, I'm, I mean, that's great, but uh, I can't turn this off. There's not like some kind of switch in my soul that you just flipped off with that Bible verse, and I'm all better now. And that, that might be something, and we're going to talk, I'm going to talk specifically to you in a little bit, but I just want to acknowledge that you're here in the room. I, I get it, that what I'm saying to you probably isn't making you feel any better yet, <laughs> okay? And that's okay. God expects us to deal with fear. He warned us against fear. He instructs us not to fear. And God, in the gospel, promises to give us freedom from fear. That, that fear is not the master over those who know Jesus. We do not have to live under the tyranny of fear any longer. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 to 11 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Remember, I feel small because of my fear. I humble myself by by not trying to be big, but to, to take my small self and put myself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I'm just going to stop there for now. There's, there's more to say in that passage, but I want to stop there. I want, I want you to hear what the invitation of God is here. To humble yourselves and to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now that can sound like a sweet little Christian postcard. Oh, good. God cares about me. But it is very important that we know how that is true. That it's not that God cares for you like your grandma who sends you a birthday card every year. And he's like, like, like from a distance, a $20 handwritten check, because that's how grandma does it, right? God cares for you in a deep and powerful way. The way that we know that God cares for you is because he sent Christ to die for you, to live for you, to raise for you. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus came to give peace. Did Jesus, how can Jesus conquer our fears? How can Jesus give us peace? Because Jesus faced what we should all most fear, and he faced it in our place. 
that the thing that we most fear is dying guilty and alone. That we are afraid of our own guilt. We are afraid of our mortality. We are afraid of being unloved. And Jesus faced what we most fear. This is the trembling Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane who faces the wrath of God for our sin, who faces abandonment from his friends, who faces being identified with our sin, facing the hell that we deserve on the cross, and he faced it with eyes wide open to the danger he would endure, to the suffering he would endure in our place. Jesus faced that fear, and he trembled before it. Sweat drops of blood, considering the the suffering he would endure. He faced the deepest suffering possible on the cross, and he faced it for the joy set before him of rescuing us from it. Jesus faced the thing we would most fear if we could see clearly. And he faced it on our behalf. And so God gives us freedom from fear through the work of Jesus on the cross and in the empty tomb. He has forgiven us. He has loved us in Christ. 1 John 4, 17 to 19 says, By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not yet been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. This freedom from fear is the freedom of knowing that we have been loved by God, that he sees us, he's conquered death for us, he's promised to to hold on to us, And so we don't have to be afraid. We can love because he has loved us. So God gives us freedom from fear in Christ, and God promises deliverance from fear, a final deliverance from fear. There will be a day where you won't be afraid anymore, where you won't be scared. It is coming. There will be a day where where God will finally deliver you from any of your fears, any of your anxieties. Ed Welch wrote a book called Running Scared, and he said, search the scriptures and find that our fears are not trivial to God. Do not be afraid are not the words of a flesh and blood friend who's a mere human like yourself. They are not the hollow words of a fellow passenger on a sinking ship who has no experience in shipwrecks and can't swim. And has no plan. These words are more like those of a captain who says, don't be afraid. I know what to do. When the right person speaks these words, you might be comforted. Remember, do not be afraid are the words of the one who can match speech with action. He is the sovereign king who is really in control. The efficacy of the words is directly related to the authority, power, and love of the one speaking them. That God says don't be afraid, and he is strong enough for us to find comfort in that. If if, if we're on a sinking ship, and I'm next to you, and I say, hey, don't be afraid, don't listen to me. What can I do? I don't know how to fix that. I can't save you. But God is strong. He can save. He will end fear. Fear. He will calm every nervous bone in your body. Revelation 21, 1 to 7. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city and new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, 
and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more sadness. And death shall be no more. No more death. Neither shall there be mourning. No more sadness. No crying. No more pain. For the former things have passed away. This is, this is the promise of God for us. That one day our fears will be relieved. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God, and he will be my son. Now, that's a brief survey of what the scriptures would have to say about our fear. Now, here's, here's where I think most of us are. You're like, yeah, that's cool. I believe that. That's true. I don't feel like that's true. My belief and my emotional state, there's a gap between the two. What do I do with the fact that I believe the things you just said and I am still a nervous wreck? Now, I want to I talk to you. If that's, if that's you here in the room, the first thing I want to do is I want to offer you and I want to encourage you toward compassion. I want to remind you to be kind to yourself. And when we talked about where anxiety comes from, a lot of that is not your fault. You didn't ask to be born into a broken and dangerous world. Right? You, didn't, you didn't ask to go through the traumas that you've gone through. That's not to say that there's not sin involved in your Anxiety, certainly, there is sin. But God is compassionate towards sinners. And if we begin our war against anxiety with anxiety, <laughs> like if we believe we've got to figure it out or something's going to go wrong, if we, if we believe we have to solve the problem before God is nice to us, or kind to us, or loving to us, we're going to be stuck. you got to start with compassion. There's a beautiful song by Andrew Peterson called Be Kind to Yourself. And he says, How You've got to learn to love your enemies. Okay? Be kind to yourself. In, in the war against your anxiety, it is a tough war. Don't make it worse by being hard on yourself. All that does is make it worse. God has compassion on us in all of these areas. Self-condemnation reduces anxiety. Nobody is mad at you for being afraid, but God is inviting you into peace. So, first, compassion. Second, ownership. You need to own this. Like this gap that I just talked about a second ago, I bet you don't like to think about that gap. I bet you've ignored it for a long time. You're like, yeah, I believe this, and I feel this, but I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to think about what I believe, right? And we ignore the fact that there's a gap. Connect. Between what we say we believe and how we feel. We need to own this. Denying our experience, insisting that we are okay, pretending like everything's fine when it's not fine, it's counterproductive. It's affecting you. It's affecting your relationships. You're hiding. Being compassionate, like starting with compassion, doesn't mean complacency. It's okay to want to 
it better. Jesus died and rose again so that our experience of the brokenness of this world would be transformed by his grace. Through faith in him and what he has accomplished on our behalf, you've got to own it. If you're dealing with anxiety, stop acting like you're not. Okay? Own it. The third piece is you're going to have to steward that. Like, it's a part of your story. God has given you this part of your story. You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it. It's not, it's not your fault. But it is your responsibility. If you've got an anxious heart, if you, if you struggle deeply with anxiety, um, then that is yours to steward. That is yours to deal with. Nobody's going to deal with that for you. They can't. You've got to start asking yourself, how am I dealing with my anxiety? How is it going? How is it affecting my relationship with Jesus? How is it affecting my relationship with other people? How, how, how am I neglecting my, my relationship with God? What am I doing that's feeding my anxiety? Am I consuming too much news? Am I talking to my friends too much about the things that stress me out and never talking about the gospel? So we steward our anxieties, and, and, and then finally, we learn to increasingly, and over time, repent. Repent of just saying, hey, God, I own it. This is here. Like, this disconnect is here. This is mine to steward. I haven't been stewarding it well. I've not been dealing with, I've not been bringing my cares to you. Help me repent. Help me lay these things down. Help me, help me to cast my cares on you again and again and again and learn to repent, to trust God with this part of your soul. So those are some, some sort of theoretical steps. This, this is, um, goodness, compassion, ownership, stewardship, and repentance. Now, some of you are like, okay, but like, really, what do I do? What's the, what, what, what do I, what, what's the next thing? How do I deal with this? What's, how do I steward this? What's the next steps? So I want to give you really practical things, okay? Um, if this is a part of your story, and I want this series to be very helpful to you, um, there are a few things that I, th- like, uh, I've got five things that I think you should begin doing today, Okay? The first one is just normal self-care, okay? Like, uh, this is like sleep regularly, you know? Don't go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning if you can avoid that. Eat um, well, you know, I'm trying to like go vegan or something, but like eat, like watch what you're eating. Don't only eat junk. Um, Sleep, uh, exercise some. Um, Steward your body. That's a, that's a part of this. Moving your body is actually a stress reliever. Um, now, Paul says that physical discipline is of some value, but spiritual discipline is of much value. So we don't just do normal self-care, we do normal spiritual care. That there is a lifestyle of spiritual discipline that God is inviting us into, where we are regularly reading God's word and, and praying and, and being a part of the Christian community. And, and so I want to give four spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines that I think are very helpful for that. So this is the normal spiritual care. Pray. Um, I remember my, one of my most anxious seasons as a pastor. I like, couldn't think straight. I couldn't sleep right. I was like, uh, I was just anxious. I was always worried that I wasn't getting it right, and I just, I remember talking to my coach one time, and I was telling him, like, man, I can't even write a sermon, I can't read the Bible, I can't, I just can't, and he was like, man, are you praying at all? And I was like, no. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, man, you're carrying all these burdens, and you can't, like, it's not for you, you, you can't do that, pray. And man, it was such a difference for me. Like, I just needed somebody to remind me, this is not yours. 
pray. This is a regular spiritual self-care is to pray, to cast our cares. This is what it looks like to, to cast our cares on the Lord, to tell them, tell them about them, right? So pray, read the Bible, including some scripture memorization, because when you memorize scripture and you got these voices in your head saying, worry about all these things, then I can remember when I am afraid, I'll put my trust in you. Right? That, that if, I, if I hide God's word in my heart, when my soul is going crazy with anxiety, I can speak the peace of truth to it. So read scripture, memorize some scripture. And then the last one is journal. journal. Um, write things down. There's something really powerful about maybe writing out your prayers, writing down your burdens, writing down your anxiety. But there's something about moving something from your heart to your head like a concrete thought and then out into a pen and onto a page where you can leave it. So like Christians, I want to encourage the spiritual discipline of journaling. I think it's really powerful and helpful. So normal self-care, normal spiritual care, normal spiritual community. If nobody in this church knows that you are dealing with anxiety, um, then write down the name of who you're going to tell today. Like somebody needs to know that. You need to share that burden with somebody else. You need to, to, to not bear that alone. You weren't meant to bear that alone. We're meant to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If I don't know, you're anxious. I can't encourage you. I can't, I can't uh, pray for you. I can't remind you. I can't rebuke you if you need it, right? That this is a normal spiritual community. Loop people into the fears and anxieties that you carry. Now, if, you, if you've been doing all these normal things, and you're like, man, I'm still drowning. Now, I want to encourage you. There might be some deeper stuff there. And if that's you, like, I want to encourage you. Talk to a counselor. That's really normal. It's really good. You're really valuable. Some of you don't believe in counselors. Like, you heard me say that, and you're like, nope. Not going to do it. I just want to encourage you. Like, there are people who are skilled, gifted, in understanding the contours of the human soul. You've talked to people like that before who just knew the right question to ask, who, who heard you say something and asked you a question and it unlocked something inside of you. There are people who are really good at that, godly people who are really gifted at, at, in, in caring for your soul. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you, if you feel like you're really stuck in anxiety, I want to encourage you to pursue counseling. I would encourage a Christian counselor, but a counseling, very helpful. Um, and then also... I want to in, encourage you, finally, to talk to your doctor. There might be some things physically going on with you that might be contributing to your anxiety. Um, there might be nutritional things that could help. There might be medicinal things that could help get anxiety under control. Guys, being on anxiety medication is not sinful. It's not a sin to be on anxiety medication. It's not sufficient. It won't fix everything. It's not going to save you, but it can be helpful. And so if you need to talk to your doctor about that, I want to encourage you to do that. But then I also want to say, like, you're going to need to keep doing all those other things I just said. Like, it's not just a shortcut to fix what's wrong. So... Those are my super practical steps, okay? Y'all feel like you got some handles? All right, in closing. I knew this was going to be a super long sermon, sorry. Um, you're not crazy, okay? You've been anxious? You're not crazy. Or maybe you're a little crazy. We love you anyway. God is bigger than you can imagine. And better than you think. Even your suffering, even the danger you face is safely in God's hands. Jesus suffered what we would most rightly fear, and he suffered it in our place. And he emerged victorious from the grave. So church, we're going to cast our cares on him now. So would you... Close your eyes with me.
And I want you to, to do something with me now. I want you to participate in this prayer in a way that you might not normally do. But I want you to, to, to find the anxieties that have been cluttering your soul. I don't know if it's like marriage stuff or parenting stuff or job stuff or money stuff. I don't know if it's what's the meaning of life stuff or who am I. I don't know, I don't know what it is. But you've got some stuff that you've been worried about. And I want you to bring it in your mind's eye into the presence of God. And I want you to remember who he is. He is the, the one who spoke the universe into existence. The one who holds the universe together by the word of his power. The one who knit you together in your mother's womb. And the one who entered into creation is Jesus Christ who walked on this earth, who endured suffering and poverty and rejection and humiliation and torture and death. And who rose from the grave victorious over sin, Satan, and death. I want you to remember this God and bring him your burdens today. I don't know what your anxieties are, but, but right now, would you with me cast them into his presence? Father, we offer you our fears, our anxieties, all the things that have been keeping us up, all the things that have been troubling our souls, Lord, we offer them to you, all of our regrets, all the ways in which we're worried we're not measuring up, God, we offer them to you. And God, we ask for your help in responding. God, would you give us compassion? Would you, would you remind us of your compassion? Would you help us to own this, to steward this, to repent of this? God, would you give us the courage to do normal self-care, normal spiritual disciplines, normal Christian community, God. Would you give us the courage to get counseling if we need it? Talk to our doctors if we need it. God, would you give us the courage to take the next steps in this fight against fear? That we might be a church that lives more confidently in the peace that Christ has given. We pray this in Jesus' name.